Hey, it's you, man, from KC95 here. Good evening, and welcome to Toasted Tavern. Your host, Scott Tobin, and the man called Wags are ready to bring you the night in sports. So pull up a stool, grab a drink, and let's get toasted. Good evening, and welcome into Toasted Tavern. I am Wags, joined alongside by Scott Tobin on this beautiful, really first fall-ish feeling day of the year. It was absolutely beautiful today scott did you get a chance to get out and enjoy a lot of this nice weather i was out some today i did some running around yeah you're right it's absolutely perfect i love i love this time of year man it's it gets me excited you know it's definitely football season weather and it's definitely playoff baseball season weather and uh how can you not be excited about baseball right now if you're a cardinal fan you'd be an idiot not to be excited now if you're a Padres fan or a Reds fan or a Phillies fan or a Mets fan yeah you, you were wishing you could turn back the clock you know to last month when their teams were still in contention but I, I got a I got a question for you because I, I I went to bed last night and it was it was 2021 was feeling good I woke up today and Kim Kardashian's in the middle of a divorce teen mom is in the news because of Farrah Abraham again and, and the Cardinals are on a, on a win streak, and they're chasing down the Brewers for first place in the NL Central. Are, are we still in 2021, or, or are we or is it 10 years ago, 2011 again? It's, uh, it's tw- 2021, and I'm sorry that I'm uh, pausing right now. Paul Goldschmidt may have just hit the longest home run I've ever seen in Milwaukee. It was up left center field in the very tip-top little section up against the glass. I mean, this thing was an absolute bomb. It didn't hit the slide, did it? <laughs> it was over from the slide. It was more in oh, left center. Dang. And like it's a, t- it's 10 to 2 Cardinals now, by the way. Sorry. 10 to 2. I mean, who saw this coming, man? I mean, even even in the in 2011 when they went on this run, I don't recall them, you know, scoring this many runs, their offense being this super productive. It definitely was, you know, dependent on the pitching staff, but the offense has come together. The pitching staff is starting to come together. Where did this come from? Oh, this is the team that we envisioned when the season started, when we looked at this lineup and said, okay, you know, you've got Goldie, you've got Arnado. If Tyler O'Neill does something, if Harrison Bader does something, if Dylan Carlson, I mean, there were a lot of ifs, but you could imagine this lineup doing something like this. And uh, it, it's all come together, man. It, it, it's fun to watch right now because they're just on a freaking roll. And, you know, that 2-3-4 of Goldie, Tyler O'Neill, and Arenado are about as dangerous as anybody in baseball right now, and it's fun to watch. It is, and I just got the update. 431 feet, that home run for Paul Goldschmidt, at least according to, uh, you know, my fantasy app. 431 feet in Milwaukee, and tonight – Three for four, four runs scored, two RBIs. Then you talk about Tyler O'Neill, like you said. He's two for five tonight with two runs scored and three RBIs. He did hit a home run tonight as well. Nolan Arenado, two for two with two RBIs. He did leave the game with some back tightness after making a spectacular catch on the tarp. Oh, that that got me super nervous right there. I, I was going back. We talked about 2011. I was going back into the 80s and Vince Coleman and the tarp. You, just stay away from the tarps. I don't care if you catch the ball. Just stay away. Right. Yeah, hopefully it's nothing. Hopefully it's nothing too serious. Kind of, kind of knowing how Nolan is. If this was a close game, I have a feeling he probably would have tried to stay in there. But it was seven to one at the time, so get him out, let him rest, and hopefully he can play tomorrow. That's the hope. And if the Cardinals do hang on to this game, they'll have taken the first three. They'll have won the series against Milwaukee. They'll be going for a four-game sweep tomorrow against 
the Milwaukee Brewers. And once again, this team has just come out of nowhere. I mean, it will be 11 in a row. They'll be going for 12 tomorrow. They've started beating the teams that they needed to beat. And yes, you look back and you say earlier in the season, some of the games that they should have won may have put them even closer to first place in the central at this point. But just the fact that they have a chance of making the playoffs, you can almost overlook that and say, Hey, they're doing what they need to do at the time that they needed to do it. And it's the MO of the Cardinals organization as a whole. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's crunch time and they've, they found a way to flip that switch and turn it on. And the fun part about this team is they can beat you in so many different ways. You know, we've seen them win the 5-4 game in the first game of this series. We saw them win 2-1 to one last night when they really didn't hit at all, but they did the little fundamentals. You know, they moved runners over. They stole bases. You know, that's that's the most exciting thing to me. I love the fact that they're hitting home runs and they're scoring runs, but we're seeing them do the little things all of a sudden that early in the season and in the last couple of years when their offense struggled, they weren't able to do, you know, they're getting a guy on second base and they're with nobody out and they're hitting the ball to the right side and they're getting them to third or they're stealing a base to get in the scoring position. How many sacrifice fly? I bet we've seen more sacrifice flies from this team in this winning streak than we did the whole rest of the season. Honestly, I mean, it's just like everything just clicked and they're just, it's almost too easy for them right now because everything is just simple and they're doing, they're doing everything. I mean, they're literally playing perfectly in every aspect of the game right now. And it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Let's just hope it holds out for, you know, another six weeks. Yeah, yes, that would be amazing because this team is uh, primed to get into the playoffs. I think I saw the stat today. The Cardinals, if they go six and six in their last twelve games, including tonight, uh, the the Reds would have to go ten and one. The Padres would have to go eleven and one or something to that effect, just to just to tie Five. for that yeah. second wild card spot. So I don't envision that happening. It it just seems almost impossible, although. Being Cardinals fans, being Blues fans, being St. Louis fans in general, crazier things have happened here, and you, you have that little piece in the back of your mind that just sits there and goes, uh, "Maybe," but it's over. It's overshadowed, dominated by what the Cardinals do in September. It, it's something they do almost every single year. And I'm looking at the standings right now, and I know it's crazy, and it's not going to happen. But if they hang on tonight. Cardinals will be eight and a half back of Milwaukee for first place. They still have three games against Milwaukee. They still have the seven games against the Cubs. Obviously, all those games are winnable. Not to sit there and say Milwaukee's going to go on this massive losing streak, but just the fact that they can put themselves back into striking distance of that first place spot. Once again, going back to 2011, it's going to have to put that, that doubt in the back of Milwaukee's mind that, oh no, here we go again. Well, it definitely has to put that thought in their mind. You know, I'm sure Craig Council is thinking that. You know, and imagine if the Cardinals would sweep Milwaukee, how scared to death do you think Milwaukee would be of the fact of the Cardinals getting in the playoffs? Chances are they wouldn't meet up with Milwaukee till potentially the NLCS. But I'm sure Brewers fans all over the world are having deja vu of 2011, like we talked about, because it's almost the exact same thing. I mean, the Brewers ran away from the Cardinals. The Cardinals got hot in September down the stretch. They beat Milwaukee a bunch in September as they made that run to the wild card, and then we all know what happened when the NLCS happened. So I'm sure that Brewers fans are thinking about it. It has a, It's probably in the back of their minds. They're probably trying not to think about it, but it has to be bubbling up a little bit. And you know, I'm sure the Dodgers and Giants are going, holy crap, we don't want to play in this. Not only do we just not want to play a one-game wild card, 
we don't want to play this team in a one-game wild card the way they're playing right now. Yeah, and right now the Dodgers are trailing the Rockies 5-3 after four. Giants and Padres just now underway uh, out in San Diego. And that's a series right there that has kind of helped the Cardinals in a sense because it's, it's allowed them to put more distance between themselves and San Diego. But it also enables the Giants to continue to maintain that lead on the Dodgers. And we talked about this the other night about, you know, which team would you want to face in that one game playoff? And then the flip side, who's the team you want to face in that five game series. And I still maintain the fact that I would still like to play the Giants in that five game and that, in that one game series and then, or that one game. And then the Dodgers in the five, is that something that's still in your mind, the better option just because once again, of history and, even though this year they've had success against the Giants, it still scares me going to play in San Francisco. Yeah, I, like we talked about the other night, every time I think about it, I go back and forth. I'm like, yeah, I like that idea. But then, you know, again, playing in that short five-game series where you're going to get Kershaw, you know, you're gonna get Kershaw, Max, and Bueller, the three of them, and then probably two of them twice, That you know, that would be a tough five-game series. So I go back and forth. I think, that, like I said, I think they're going to have a chance. You know, this is probably the team going into the playoffs of all the wild card teams. I think the Cardinals in the National and the American League right now, you would have to look at it and say they have the best chance of advancing and really making a run in the postseason. Yeah, because you've got Boston, Toronto, and the Yankees kind of all fighting for those two spots out in the American League. Now, granted, Seattle and Oakland are both two and a half games back, so they still have a chance to get in there. But the fact that you have three AL East teams that are kind of fighting for that spot, they're either going to beat up on each other or, you know, one of those NL West teams or AL West teams might slip in as well. Um, I, I just, those, the top two teams, Boston and Toronto, they are just absolutely outscoring people at will. And that's the one thing that does scare me a little bit. But then you look over at the Dodgers and they've got a plus 250 differential in the run category. And, and yet here I am, I'm not technically like super scared of the Dodgers when it comes to run production because I've we've seen what the Cardinals can do historically against the Dodgers and against guys like Kershaw but we've also seen what Max Scherzer did to us a couple years ago in the playoffs too so you know how much how much of the historical stuff can you take and how much of it you have to sit there and go none of that matters this is what matters well and here's what here's what's the big thing for the Cardinals if you're a Cardinal fan you're crossing your fingers that that Dodgers Giants thing stays a game and they go back and forth and potentially Scherzer has to pitch that last game of the season. And he's not available for that wild card. If you would play the Dodgers, you know, you know, that's what you're hoping for. Same thing with the Giants. You would have to hope that the Giants are in a fight with the Dodgers and they're going back and forth. And maybe Kevin Gosman pitches in that last game of the season and he misses the wild card. So, I mean, there are things that could still really work in the Cardinals favor, and like we talked about, I mean, not only are the Cardinals on a roll, but, you know, we talked about Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson possibly being parts of this bullpen. But all of a sudden, like we said earlier, Miles Michaelis now is starting to look like Miles Michaelis. He looks healthy. You know, he's throwing well. And, you know, if you have all those guys healthy in your rotation, in your bullpen, you know, imagine you get into that playoff series and you could go Wainwright, you could go Wainwright, Lester, Michaelis, and then your fourth starter be a combination of Flaherty Hudson, and then you have a guy like J.A. Happ that you move to the bullpen. I mean, this team, you know, they could be really, really scary. As crazy as that would have sounded a month ago, this team could be really, really, really scary if they get in. They certainly can. And looking at the Dodgers' schedule, they've got the Diamondbacks, and then they wrap up against the Padres. 
when you move over to the Giants, uh, they have – I'm sorry. Let me just get this real quick. The Giants have – oh, come on now. Don't do this to me. The Giants have uh, the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. So it almost sits there and sets up for the Giants to have the ability to push a little bit more as far as separation is concerned. Although we've seen the Rockies play the Dodgers tough. The Diamondbacks, are, they're probably going to sweep both the Dodgers and the Giants are going to sweep the Diamondbacks for sure. And yeah, the Padres essentially now don't have anything to play for, but they still are a dangerous team offensively. So they could give the Dodgers a little bit of trouble as well. So you know, that one game difference might be able to stick, but I just feel like it'll probably expand. And like I said, you hope that it stays that way. So both those star pitchers have to pitch in that last game to really make a decision of who's going to go to the wild card and who's going to actually host that five-game series. Uh, once again, 10-2 to two Cardinals right now getting ready to head to the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, Miles Michaelis has gotten through seven, four hits, two earned, three strikeouts. He has given up a solo shot to uh, Avisel Garcia in this game that came in the bottom of the seventh. We'll see if he's trotted back out there for the eighth. He is sitting at 91 pitches. I so I, I I don't think he would either. No, I, I really don't. Uh, but you did bring up, you know, the fact that Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson are making their returns. Now, Flaherty has, I wouldn't say he's officially, I, I mean, it's it's pretty much official. He's starting yeah, game it's a, two. Game two of that Cubs series on Friday. He's dealt with an oblique injury and shoulder soreness. And I'll be perfectly honest, I wasn't sure if we were going to see him back this year because, you know, back when he went down, the Cardinals were out of contention and there was no point in risking him coming back. Uh, but now that they're here, how far do you push him? I know, I know that you talked about him being in the bullpen for the playoffs. Could this be, and I'm not going to sit there and say he's going to go into the closer role like Wainwright did no six, but is this sort of a similar situation where you've got a guy that has starter quality that's going to make a big impact down the line in the postseason? Yeah. I'm not sure how they're going to handle him. Um, you know, that's why I kind of said, you know, you may see him in a five game series, be a star, be kind of the starter or the opener and pitch a couple innings. And then you bring Hudson in. Cause you got to remember that, you know, being a starting pitcher and a bullpen pitcher are two totally different things. Their routines are everything. And Jack's never pitched as a relief pitcher at any level. So that whole routine is different. So I'm not sure that they're going to use him coming out of the bullpen. I think they may use him in that opener role so that he can stay with that routine that he's always known. Whereas Dakota has pitched out of the bullpen in the big leagues, has a little more idea of how that works. And so you, I think that's what you're going to see happen. I think you're going to see them, I think you see them piggyback. You know, Jack will probably come out and pitch for a couple of innings, and then Dakota pitches a couple of innings, and then you go from there with the rest of your bullpen. And I think that's probably how it'll play out for the rest of the season and the playoffs if we get there. Yes, I know. We have to still qualify as if they haven't made it yet, but it is getting a lot closer. Every day it's getting a lot closer. And, you know, Dakota Hudson was scratched from his Memphis start tonight. Nothing as far as like, he is slated to start X, Y, Z or what have you. It's more so a matter of, Hey, we want him to be available in case somebody has to get scratched in the, in the upcoming series. And if not, then they're going to be able to work him into that. He still may get another start down at Memphis. It's possible, but just like you are, are thinking all indications are he's going to be with St. Louis in Chicago. He's going to be ready to pitch and we're going to get a chance to see Dakota Hudson uh, at, at some point this year. And then, We've talked in the past about this team has done it without these guys. And we, we look at X factors and 
I, I can't believe you're going to talk about a 40-year-old plus X factor. But the guy going tomorrow in Adam Wainwright has been the steadying hand on this team. And yes, he's a veteran. He's a guy that you would expect to kind of right the ship. But it's not just about talking the talk. He's walking the walk as well. He's in Cy Young contention. He is a guy that is just putting up crazy ridiculous numbers for a 40-year-old right now. I just, you know he's coming back next year. But if the Cardinals win the World Series, I know that's way out there. But if the Cardinals win the World Series, do you see guys like Wainwright and Molina saying, you know what? We were going to come back next year because we got we wanted to push for a championship, but we want to go out on top. Do you see that even entering their mind, or are they they really going to go for another ride next year? No, they're coming back next year. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there would be a thought if they win. But the other thing they want, they want that record for most starts by a pitcher catcher combo, and they're what twenty? They'll be twenty away from it at the end of the year. So they want to do that together. They want to have that record. They want to come back, and you know, I think they think that. Even next year, they're going to have an even better chance. And if they win this year, I'm sure they're going to say, let's go get that record and try to repeat and go get Albert and whoever else we can bring back here and let's do it again. So, yeah, no, they'll both be back no matter what happens. I think you're right. They don't strike me as the guys to go out on top. They want to go out on top on top, which means they want to go out back-to-back champions. They want the records. They want to bring the whole crew back together. And, you know, you got most of that crew back last Saturday when they celebrated the 2011 team as well. You got a chance to, to work down there, obviously. Uh, we didn't really talk a whole lot about it because the Cardinals were obviously streaking towards the playoffs. But what was that experience like? Did you get a chance to interact with anybody? I mean, I know you've gotten a chance to, you know, Talk with Ted Simmons when a statue was unveiled and among other people. But what, what did you get to experience last Saturday with the 2011 team being back in? Didn't get a chance to be around those guys a whole lot on Saturday. But, I mean, it was electric at the ballpark. I mean, the atmosphere was just unbelievable. You know, I texted somebody, a couple of people actually, when Tyler O'Neill hit that home run in the eighth inning. And I said, this ballpark is actually shaking. I mean, it, it, it was just electric from the very first minute that everybody got there from the time that, Chris Carpenter and David Freeze throughout the opening pitch to everything. I mean, it, it was it was just a fun night, and uh, everybody had fun, man. It was great. And then Sunday, it, it was kind of the same way Sunday. The guys were roaming around the ballpark. You know, I, I did see a couple of the guys, you know, walking down hallways and in different places. And then MLB TV anchor Greg Amsinger flew into town Sunday to be at the ballpark because he wanted to experience a little bit of the Cardinals Padres uh, series. So I did get to talk to him just for a minute on Sunday. He was kind of sitting in a section over and he was there with Randy Carragher and some of his buddies from St. Louis. So I did get to say hi to him, which was cool. You know, and he was just excited to be here. Like I said, he wanted to see what that atmosphere was going to be like last weekend. So it, it was a fun weekend, man. It really was. It was a bunch of Lindenwood graduates right there. It was. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe in about 10 years, I'll be sitting in that section with those guys because uh, that's Kind of where I'm at right now. That'd be pretty, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, yeah. So the Cardinals are absolutely on fire right now, and we're excited for playoff baseball. It's the great time of year for that. But we also have to switch gears because we're getting really close to hockey. Hockey is back this week. Preseason begins on Saturday for the Blues. Training camp actually opens tomorrow, and coming into today. People were a little worried because the Blues had made signings. They brought back Tyler Bozak. They haven't traded Vladimir Tarasenko yet. But there was a guy that was still sitting out there that Blues fans were just just hemming and hawing over what is actually going to happen with this guy. And that's Robert Thomas. He had not signed a contract until 
last night. He signed a two-year deal with uh, a value of just under $3 million a year. Uh, it's actually exactly like Jordan Cairo's deal. Uh, so these two guys kind of on different trajectories at this point, uh, but they get the same kind of deal. Uh, 169 games played, 22 goals, 65 assists. He only played 33 games last year due to injury. He hasn't had a bit of an injury history. But I look at him and I go, okay, he's a young player. He was a huge catalyst in that 2019 Stanley Cup run. Obviously, the faceoff win uh, for Pat Maroon's game-winning goal against Dallas in Game 7 was was all of him. He's a, a star in the making. Hell, I've got his jersey right behind me. I got the, the clown jersey, and it's a Robert Thomas one because I feel, I feel like he's going to be a star in this league, or at least a star for the Blues, going to be a great player. And then you look at the injury history, and you go, the Blues have had a guy in their recent history who, young player, kind of electric, goal score potential, and dealt with a lot of injuries. And that's Jaden Schwartz. Now, Schwartz is up in Seattle now, so he's not with the Blues. But, you know, Thomas is a little bit different than Schwartz. He's more of a, a playmaker than he is a goal scorer. But I could see him having the same sort of career that a Jaden Schwartz has. And that does not scare me a whole lot as far as, oh, my gosh, his contract is going to hamstring the team. I see him having a good career with the Blues. Maybe he is a guy that deals with some injuries, but as he goes along, he's going to be able to avoid them a little bit better and a little bit better and become a locker room presence. I don't know if you see that with a Robert Thomas or not, but that's just kind of how I'm feeling with him in the years to come. Yeah, I can see that totally. You know, I think, you know, and part of that comes from the fact that, you know, he's lived with a guy when he's been in St. Louis the last couple of years that definitely had that in Big Walt, I'm sure Keith Kachuk has kind of instilled that in him, and he's seen what that's like to be a leader and, you know, watching that with, you know, and training with the Kachuk kids and everything. So, yeah, I can see him being that kind of guy. And, you know, if he has the career here that Jaden Schwartz had, you know, is that superstar level? No, not quite, but it, it would be really steady, a really good player. And, you know, I think if you get that kind of production out of him, you'd be pretty happy. It has to be a, a solid career because Seattle wouldn't take a chance on a guy like Schwartz. For a, franchise, a new franchise, yeah, you have to take some veteran players, obviously. But looking at his injury history, you can overlook it and say, hey, look at the production that he's gotten and the stability that he's brought. And he's a, he's a Stanley Cup champion. I mean, Thomas is a Stanley Cup champion as well. But you see what I'm saying in that right. instance. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a pretty good career for Robert Thomas. And hopefully after this two-year deal, he's done enough to extend his stay here in St. Louis, as does Jordan Cairo. I think those two guys could pair off of each other pretty well. And you talk about the fact that Thomas is trained with the Kachuk boys. You know, maybe it's just a matter of, you know, he's getting ready for a year or two for now when, when both Brady and Matt just so happen to don Blues jerseys. You never know. It's possible. It's definitely possible that that happens in the next few years. It's more and more likely, as, as crazy as it sounds. Uh, like I said, the Blues open training camp tomorrow. Uh, there are some practices that are open to the public. Tomorrow's practices from 9.30 and at noon, and then Friday's practices at 10 and 11 are going to be open to the public. It's going to be over at the Centene Ice Complex on the USA rink. Practices are only going to be 30 minutes apiece, a so they're not extended practices. And the, the practices going on over at the Blues rink are not open to the public because of COVID restrictions and social distancing and all of that. And their first preseason game is Saturday against Minnesota. Now, uh, Kaprizov finally signed with Minnesota. So that gives them a, another dangerous weapon that uh, played very, very well for the wild last year. Uh, the central division is shaping up to be a very, very competitive division. And I'll be coming out with my, uh, divisional previews here in the next week or so, uh, on our, our website. 
but we had last year's divisional lineup being different because of COVID and we were out in the West, but now getting back to the central, where do you see the blues kind of slotting in into this division? I'm I'm still not sure. I'm still, I'm still kind of on the fence with what this team is going to be. You know, I'm anxious to watch preseason and get a better feel for how some of these new guys that they've brought in are going to kind of fit in, how quickly they're going to be able to gel with this team. You know, the big question still, you know, I know a lot of Blues fans don't want to hear it, but the big question still is what do you do with Vladdy? Is he here? Is he, you know, and what if he, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, man, if he has a big preseason, or if he has a big preseason, then that makes him easier to trade. Yeah, but if he has a big preseason and scores a bunch of goals, does Army want to trade him at that point? Is that the point where you say, all right, yeah, I know you might not want to play for Chief all that much, but you're too valuable to this team. If you're going to score goals like that, if you're going to be the old Vladdy, then you may just be stuck here because we need your point production. So, you know, there's a lot of questions there. I'm really anxious to see how this preseason kind of unfolds, and I'm going to wait till the probably close to the very end of it before I really make a prediction on this team. And you have to because you do have a lot of new pieces in there. And the one thing with, with Tarasenko that – Bears watching is the fact that now with you know Thomas signed and this team essentially set, this team is two million over the cap. And you know, Oscar Sunquist is going on LTIR right now, so his money will come off the book, so that'll help a little bit. But at some point, he's gonna come back. You've got James Neal on a, a, a PTO right now, along with Michael for a league. More than likely, James Neal will be the guy that the, this team looks to sign. But at some point, you're going to have to make a move to free up some cap space to either bring Sunquist and Neil into this team or some other sort of player comes in as well. And a lot of that's going to hinge on what they do with Tarasenko. So he may not make it to the trade deadline, but seeing him traded right after the preseason probably isn't going to happen. I mean, if you're going to have a deal done with Vladdy, you're probably going to want to see about 10 to 15 regular season games. I think if you're an NHL team and especially Doug Armstrong, if, if you can get 10 to 15 games of really solid production from Tarasenko, you can command, you can ask for whatever you want essentially and see which team is going to jump at that. And yeah, if Tarasenko helps this team by scoring goals, that's, that's great. But if he can help this team for 15 games, score a bunch of goals and, and accumulate some wins and then bring in some high end picks or talents, to, to supplement that and move his salary out, I think that's the ultimate win for Doug Armstrong in this case. Well, yeah. I mean, especially if he still wants to be gone. You know, if that's still his stance that he doesn't want to be here, then you're right. That is the ultimate goal. But, you know, how often do we talk about this? You know, oh, man, they're over the cap. How are they going to make this work? How are they going to make this guy fit? How is this going to Usually this stuff works itself out. Usually somebody gets hurt. Somebody goes on IR. You know, it usually works itself out and it ends up not being the big issue that everybody's freaking out about. So, again, we're just going to have to let preseason play out and see where we're at as the regular season rolls around. That's true. The, the one thing I'll look at, though, and caution people on is the fact that, you know, we saw this with Vegas, especially last year near the end of the season, where they actually had to sit guys and play with less players in games because of their cap situation. So, regardless on if things work out or not, it is something to watch. You may have to take a guy off the books for a couple of games and play two or three guys short 
just to make everything work out. And it's going to be real interesting to see how the cap gymnastics work out. I know Tom over at uh, Toasted St. Louis had a, a fresh toast episode today talking about stuff along those lines to Robert Thomas signing the James Neal thing as well. And you're probably going to see some more of those pieces come out very, very soon, as well as maybe some Toasted St. Louis Blues content here in the next couple of weeks as we get started with the uh, NHL preseason. So definitely stick around for that. All right, let's jump over to the NFL because, believe it or not, we're already at Wednesday, and Thursday night football's tomorrow, and week three starts right after that. Uh, tomorrow's Thursday night football games between Carolina and Houston. Now, Houston is dealing with the Tyrod Taylor injury. We haven't heard yet on if Deshaun Watson is going to be active for that game or not. I think it'll probably be a decision that comes down tomorrow as the backup quarterback. Obviously, their, their rookie is going to be starting. Uh, but on the flip side, you've got Carolina, and this team is looking surprisingly good. And I know it's a difficult division that they're playing in, but Sam Darnold, 2-0, 68.5% completion percentage for 584 yards, three touchdowns in, in an interception. He's praying to God he never sees Jet Green ever again. Uh, Christian McCaffrey possibly could have the best season he's ever had. He's already at 45 rushes, 170 yards and a touchdown, 14 receptions and 154 yards. He leads the league in yards from scrimmage right now. Is Carolina one of those dark horse teams that could sneak into the wild card hunt, especially in a weaker NFC? Well, you just said the whole key right there is Christian McCaffrey. Can McCaffrey stay healthy for a whole season, which he's, he's had trouble doing the last couple of years. You know, and that offense kind of, you know, he's the – He's the engine that makes that offense rev and run. So if he stays healthy, then yeah, they've got a chance because, like you said, the rest of, other than Tampa, the rest of that division, Atlanta, New Orleans, there's so many questions there. So, you know, Sam Darnold's looked pretty good through two weeks. So, you know, maybe they can make a run because, you know, who knows? The NFC is still kind of up for grabs, except for the West, where everybody's pretty good. Which is crazy because we thought the West was going to be one of those question mark divisions because we weren't sure what we were going to get out of those teams. You, you know, you weren't sure what the Rams were going to look like with Matthew Stafford back there. You were expecting them to be good because they finally have a quarterback that can throw to the guys, but they don't have a much of a running game. Uh, you know, San Francisco, who really knows? They are dealing with injuries once again. You've got Arizona, who in my mind is probably one of those dark horse Super Bowl picks. And then you got Seattle, who up until about, what, seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter, we're going to be 2-0 and and looking good as well. And then Derrick Henry went to work. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a weakened uh, conference. You, know, you look at the NFC East, and I think, you know, between them they have one or two wins, so it's not not super competitive there. The South is the South. And then you've got the, uh, the Central with, you know, Green Bay near the top. Chicago with Justin Fields now starting this week. Detroit looking like Detroit. And uh, Minnesota having the kicking issues. It, it's very likely that Carolina just has to play okay and they can get into the wild card. You know, the team that you talked about there that I still think has played better than anybody's given them credit for is Minnesota. Minnesota has looked, even though they're one and one, they've looked pretty good. Kirk Cousins has actually played really well for the first two weeks. You know, we know the weapons they have at receiver with Thielen and Jefferson, and then you've got the you've got the stud running back too. So Minnesota could be a team that still really surprises some people before it's over with. But yeah, the NFC, it's gonna be interesting to see how the next few weeks play out and see where the dominoes kind of fall as to who's really making a run for those playoff spots. Well, the big thing is the big game is this week between LA and 
Tampa, you know, the Rams in Tampa Bay, uh, Bucks traveling to LA to play in the building that Jerry Jones builds with Stan Kroenke's money. I don't know, you know how that is. Uh, so that's going to be a huge, huge indicator of which team is probably going to come out of the NFC East with the top seed. May not be the team that comes out of the NFC, but at least it's the team that probably has that number one seed because. You know, as much as we hate the Rams here because of everything that Crocky did to us here in St. Louis, they have a decent team. They have a really good team, actually. And Matthew Stafford looks like he's found the fountain of youth. And a lot of people went into this season going, oh, man, Matthew Stafford finally has people to throw to. He's going to be a great quarterback this year. People forget he had Calvin Johnson. So don't give me this, oh, he never had anybody to throw to. He had Megatron for a few years. That was a pretty good combo right there. But he does have multiple options right now. In Detroit, it was Megatron and a bunch of injured guys. So this is a little bit different. Now, he still doesn't have a running game per se, just like in Detroit. But the defense is good. He's got some receivers to throw to and a couple tight ends as well. So you know, looking at the Rams, as much as we hate to say it, they are a team that will be able to compete with Tampa Bay and push them for that top spot in the NFC. Yeah, what I'll say about Stafford his years in Detroit, yeah, he doesn't have a receiver with the Rams that's anywhere close to what Megatron was. But Megatron was all he had. He didn't have an offensive line. He didn't have a running back. He didn't have a defense. You know, the Rams, I still have questions about the Rams' defense overall, but they may have the two best defensive players in their positions in Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. I mean, the way they're playing Jalen Ramsey right now, he's not just playing corner. I mean, they've got him lined up at safety. They've got him lined up at linebacker. They're moving him all over the place, and he's making unbelievable plays. So those two guys, you got two studs there. And then, you know, Woods and Cup are, are solid wide receivers. So they're, the Rams are good, although I think Tampa's going to go out there and just totally whip them. And I don't I don't know if you saw it. It's not like Tampa's the, the retirement home of the NFL, but did you see they're close to bringing in another one? Richard Sherman. Close to yep. signing with the Tampa Bay Bucks. That I did see. Now, they did put D'Antonio Brown on the COVID list today. So, not like he's made that much of an impact this year. But just, once again, having a veteran presence out there that can that can go off if he you know gets the inclination to. Uh, not having him out there might be a, a bit of a letdown for them. But they still have so much talent. I mean, the fact that, that Gronk is just going off already this year and he was on the the monday night broadcast with the mannings and i don't know if you got a chance it sounds like you saw it i was just gonna ask you holy moly just that that whole dynamic first off what they're doing on espn2 with the manning brothers on monday night football pure genius and amazing content if you if you have not watched it definitely watch i think it jumped up by like 111 percent from week one to week two but the gronk stuff him going after peyton about the, the the touchdown record between him and, and Brady, it was pure gold. Yeah, well, and, you know, Gronk is just such a goon. I mean, that guy just cracks me up. But, you know, when he's like, I don't watch tape. I never watch tape. I just go out there and run past guys. I, I asked Tom who we're playing and who's covering me and what they do on game day. I don't know. You know, it's just like, I mean, that's totally him. But if you get a chance sometime, have you seen the videos that Gronk and Brady do? They they have a they have a video that they do the two of them sitting in front of a blown up kiddie pool, yes, with little rubber duckies floating in it and they answer questions. I mean it's hilarious. Tom Brady suddenly found a personality in Tampa. As much as I hated him in all those years in the Patriots, you actually have to kind of like him now because he's funny. I mean you know he just 
he seems comfortable and relaxed and he's having fun. And, you know, when Randy Carriker can say that he likes Tom Brady now, it's safe for all of us to say it because we all know how much Randy Carriker hated Tom Brady for all those years in New England. Yes, he, he did. And when he can say that, I understand that completely. As I see a uh, Grant commercial right now on my television. Uh, yeah, it, it almost feels like he he's seen what, what Peyton did as far as the comedic parts of his his career and and now that he's out of the New England you know hierarchy essentially that that almost conformity sort of thing that he's free down in Tampa and he can just kind of let loose he knows he knows he's playing with house money I mean he oh, really yeah. is and the fact that he's playing with house money and still beating the crap out of the house it just shows you what kind of player person all of that he is because he's I'll put it this way. I think the perception of Tom Brady 100% turned around, I guess 180 degrees. I don't know how that works. I was never great at math. Uh, when he got drunk at the Super Bowl parade. Because yeah. if, you, if, you, if, you, if you watched him or, or watched video of past Super Bowl parades and, and celebrations when he was at the Patriots, always kind of reserved, never went super crazy. But that that party and parade in Tampa – he let loose, and I think that made him feel made people look at him and go, dude, he's just like me. Just got a lot of rings and a lot of money and a hot wife. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're totally right. It's it's getting away from that New England thing and Belichick and all of that. And yeah, he's a different person. Going back to the Eli Payton thing, did you catch the Payton stuff when he was talking about the Patriots and going up there and their defense and them listening to stuff and that he would have his wide he'd have his wide receiver meetings in the shower because he was pretty sure the man is locker bugged and everything else. And from everything that I've heard, while he was a little bit joking, people that know Peyton Manning say that that's absolutely the truth. That he was convinced that the Patriots had everything that his locker and everything else bugged and were listening. And from everything we know about the Patriots, they probably did. But for him to go on TV and talk about it. Is just funny, especially as we know the NFL loves to cover up for the Patriots. Oh, yeah, totally, 100%. And I think that's why it was kind of put out in the joking manner was because they, they at least he could sit there and say, oh, I was just totally joking about that. When in all reality, he, he is probably telling the truth 100% because Belichick and the Patriots always tried to find a way to get the upper hand and just got the update. 10-2 to final Cardinals over the Brewers. Uh, that's, that's 11 in a row. Miles Michaelis gets his second win on the season. They go for the sweep tomorrow with Wainwright on the mound. I, I just, I, I still, I cannot believe it. I, I, I've got 2011 vibes and I still just cannot believe it. Yeah, it, it's pretty amazing. I cannot wait for next week back home because if they would sweep tomorrow and then win three out of four, or who knows the way this team's played, maybe they sweep the Cubs in Chicago. Bush Stadium is going to be absolutely insane next week it really is you know i don't know that it's going to be sold out during the week just because you know it's school and it's september and you know families aren't traveling as much during the week but i think you're going to see 30 35,000 during the week and then next weekend against the cubs for that weekend series i would be shocked if that ballpark is not sold out all three of those days I 100% agree with you. I, I cannot see how it isn't. I mean, it's a rivalry series. Yes, the Cubs are down, but the fact that the Cardinals will probably be celebrating a postseason berth at that point, I think fans have been wanting that and waiting for that. And I think, aren't we getting cheap tickets because of Adam Wainwright too? Yeah, there's $5 tickets for that Brewers series next week. So go out and take advantage of that, definitely. And then, you know, the Friday night against the Cubs is the beer thing. You know, if you go on Friday nights, you get your first Budweiser free at the ballpark. So uh, 
go enjoy some beer. And on Sunday next week, they're honoring Mike Shannon. It'll be Mike Shannon's last regular season game. There's going to be a big ceremony. Get Mike Shannon T-shirts. You know, it's going to be fun. Although while we talk about Mike, that being his last game, Mike has said we get to the postseason and maybe he doesn't go away quite so quickly. So we might get a little bonus Mike Shannon in October, which is never a bad thing either. I feel like that we've had that sort of situation with somebody with other people here as well. I mean, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but somebody that said, Oh, I'm done after the, the regular season's over. And then they go on a run or something like that. I cannot remember for the life of me what it was, but there, there was something to that effect to where somebody was like, I'm done after the regular season. We had the celebration and then they just went on a run in the postseason. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember that too, but now I can't think of who it was either, but yeah. So, yeah, I, I can't either. All right, let's get back to the NFL real quick because we got to make our picks for uh, tomorrow night and the and the week three as well because we're not entirely sure when we're going to be able to be back on because we, we both have some very, very busy schedules for the next couple of days. I get a chance to go call some high school soccer tomorrow. We've got Webster Groves and Marquette going down on prepcast.com. Friday night, we've got football. I get a chance to travel over to uh, – the big rivalry between Lutheran North and Lutheran South. Who do you have on Friday night? I will be doing Zoom Wall South and Washington on Friday night. And then I'm, I'm doing high school volleyball on Saturday. So I'll be doing Lutheran South and Borgia on Saturday. Awesome. Well, I'll be doing college volleyball that day. I'll be uh, doing the play-by-play for the Lindenwood Lions women's volleyball team. And then Sunday I get to do PA for both the men's and women's soccer teams over at Lindenwood. So like I said, when I say we're booked we are booked. <laughs> so we're not entirely sure we're going to be able to be back on. We're going to try and knock something out tomorrow night. Potentially, it just depends on what time the soccer game gets over and when I get back home. So we're going to try and knock something out then. But we'll, we'll, we'll find a, a way to get some more coverage here the next couple of days. But because of that, we have to do our picks tonight. And I'm going to tell you right now, folks, uh, it's a little boring because Scott and I this week pretty much agreed on every single game almost every single game i think there's one game that we did not agree on uh tomorrow night's game we both went with the panthers i I think you look at that and it's not just the fact that it's mccaffrey and darnold playing well i think it's the fact that you got a rookie quarterback playing for the texans no tyrod taylor i think this is going to be a pretty easy victory for the panthers it should be it definitely should be and then we get into sunday some really interesting games I'll be perfectly honest. There were a couple of times where I was like, ooh, should I go with this pick? But seeing as how I'm only two games over 500 right now, I I, I went with the safer picks in this. You got, you got the first game of the day, Washington football team against Buffalo in Buffalo. We both went with the Bills, and I think we feel like this is going to be how it goes. But seeing how Buffalo played against Pittsburgh in week one, and yes, they shut out Miami last week 35-0, but Washington's defense is really, really good. I could see them really confounding and confusing Josh Allen and that Buffalo Bills team and potentially pulling the upset in this one. Yeah, I think it's going to be a close game because Buffalo's offense, even though they scored 35 points last week, you know, Josh Allen didn't really have a great game. Um, Buffalo actually ran the ball pretty well last week in Miami. Um, I think I think Buffalo wins, and I think it's going to be more for their defense because I'm not sure – Buffalo is a really hard place to throw the ball. There's a wind blowing through that stadium all the time. And Tyler Haneke, first trip up there, Bills Mafia with that wind. It's going to be a little bit chilly in Buffalo. I I think those all go against him, and I think Buffalo pulls that game out. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, Chicago at Cleveland. Uh, Justin Fields gets his first career NFL start. I think more so because of Andy Dalton's injury more than Fields' play per se. Uh, but going in to play Cleveland in Cleveland for your first career start, we both have the Browns in this game. It could be close early on because of the hype and the excitement, but I wholly expect the Browns to, to pull away. I, I, we haven't heard confirmation yet on OBJ getting into this game, although Jarvis Landry has gone on uh, the IR, so he is out for this game. Uh, even without Odell Beckham Jr., I think this is a, a pretty easy victory for the Browns. Yeah, it, from everything I've heard, like you said, there's no confirm, confirmation yet. It sounds like OBJ is probably going to play. But, yeah, I think this is the game. You know, people in Cleveland are upset about their defense, that they gave up 21 points. I have a feeling this is the game where the Browns' defense just kind of lets loose. you got a rookie quarterback. You have a Bears offensive line that's not real great. Something tells me that Miles Garrett, Davion Clowney may have big games on Sunday. I'm hoping you're right because they're my fantasy football defense, so I'm hoping for a big number there. Uh, Baltimore at Detroit. Um you know, Baltimore coming off the big win against Kansas City. The rushing game was actually pretty good in that game. Now, that's a little bit of a testament to how bad Kansas City's run defense is. But you're going into Detroit, who don't they don't look all that great. Now, they did give Green Bay a little bit of a run in that first half last night uh, on Monday night in, in that football game. But I, I feel like coming off the high of that win against Kansas City, we're going to see one of two teams out of Baltimore, either a team that's going to start to play very, very well or a team that's going to have a bit of a letdown. And I know we both went with the Ravens, but this is another one of those kind of classic trap games where you're coming off the high of winning your quote-unquote Super Bowl. You, Lamar Jackson beat the, the team he had never been able to beat with Patrick Mahomes at the helm. Now you're going into Detroit on the road. This this might be a bit of a trap game. I still like the Ravens in this one, but I would not be shocked if the, the Lions somehow pull off the victory. Yeah, it could be a little bit of a trap. I will say John Harbaugh is one of my favorite coaches. He's a guy who just knows how to pull his team together and get them to win games like this. So I think Baltimore wins. And the Lions, you talk about not playing really great. Weeks one and two, they've played halves of really good games. You know, against Green Bay, they played a good first half, fell apart in the second half. Week one against San Francisco, they played horrible in the first half, then played really good in the second half. So if the Lions can figure out how to play four quarters, then it could be a then it could be an interesting game, but with Jared Goff under center and eh, yeah, I just don't have a whole lot of faith in that. I mean, watching that Monday night game, didn't even throw the interception. He lost the ball a couple of different times, recovered a couple. It it, it looked like a bad situation there, and you know if that Baltimore defense really gets revved up, it could be a long day for Jared Goff for sure. Indianapolis at Tennessee, we both go with the Titans. Uh, it almost feels like they are starting. They're going to start to go on a little bit of a run per se. Uh, Derrick Henry got the ball rolling in that third and fourth quarter against Seattle, really put that team on his back. And now that he feels a little bit more comfortable, I think you're going to start to see the Titans playing well. And we talked about this when the season started, especially after week one, that loss that they had. None of the starters played in the preseason. So these first couple of games were preseason-esque for those guys. So now that they've gotten eight quarters under their belts, you feel like this is a team that is ready for the regular season now, and now going up against an Indianapolis Colts team without Carson Wentz, I feel like this is going to be a statement game for Tennessee when it comes to the AFC South top of the division. Yeah, they could really put a stamp on this thing, and Tennessee might be able to run away with this division now because we're not sure when Carson Wentz is going to play. You know, T.Y. Hilton, we're not sure when he's going to be back. The Colts have a lot of questions on offense. 
yeah, I think Tennessee, Derrick Henry, just feed him the ball like they did in the fourth quarter, and I think they'll win big in Indy. Chargers at the Chiefs. Uh, we both go with the Chiefs in this one, but did any part of you sit there and go, man, the Chiefs might be set in store for maybe a bit of a losing streak? I mean, the Chargers played okay against Dallas on Sunday, a, a game that they probably should have won, could have won, and really definitely deserved to win. Uh, kind of had that game kind of taken away from them. Justin Herbert, another young quarterback going up against Patrick Mahomes, a great quarterback battle. Do, do you see the Chargers giving the Chiefs a run? Because the AFC West is tight. Every team plays well against each other, and I could see this going the Chargers' way. Like I said, we both picked the Chiefs to be safe, but I could see the Chargers winning this game. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if the Chargers ended up pulling the upset. Kansas City's defense has got to come together and figure out how to stop the run, especially. So I think this will probably be a high-scoring game. Like like you said, I think Kansas City wins, but it wouldn't shock me if the Chargers pulled the upset. All right, New Orleans at New England. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if we know what to make of New Orleans just yet. They had a stellar first week, and then uh, Carolina just kind of took that game over last week. New England, Mac Jones getting his third start, looked decent last week. It was more so about the run game and the offense for New England last week. We both go with the Patriots in this one. More so for the fact that it's in New England and there's still a mystique and an aura about New England. Teams going in there just seem to kind of fall apart a little bit. Uh, it's Jameis Winston going up there. I'm not. I'm still not confident in his ability to start and start well. Uh, so I, I got the Patriots. I know you do too. Yeah, I do too. This is one game that I have absolutely zero interest in watching because um, I don't think it's going to be a very good game. I think it's going to be low scoring and – yeah, I think the Patriots win, but I think it's probably like a 17 to 2017, 16-13 type game. Oh, I could see that being the case for sure. Atlanta at the Giants. Uh, I've been bullish on the Giants this year to my detriment, uh, but I, I feel like they finally get their first first victory against Atlanta because Atlanta folks, they're, they're terrible. They're just they're terrible. Yeah, if this game would have been in Atlanta, I would have taken the Falcons. I had to think about it. The Giants aren't good, though. I mean, if you're a Giants fan, what do you look at and go, man, we're good. We took a first-round quarterback who, yeah, hasn't shown us anything. Saquon Barkley kind of starting to look like a bust at this point. I mean, I know he got hurt a couple of years ago, but he's not looked good. Um, you know, their defense isn't real good. Another ugly game, I think you're right. I think because it's in New York and it's outside, I think the Giants win, but this could be really ugly, too. I mean, you look at the game against Washington last Thursday night, and – I think as a Giants fan, you have to be happy. I mean, even though they lost and and, and all that, they they stuck in that game to the very end. They had a chance to win, and if not for an offside on the last kick, they they would have won that game. So I I think there are some positives you can take away from it. But, yeah, there are still a lot of question marks for the Giants. And, yeah, I know I'm bullish on them, but I I think they do get the win against Atlanta. Uh, And because of that, Atlanta wins 52 to nothing. Uh, Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. This was an interesting one because I thought you were going to go with the Steelers in this because it was in Pittsburgh. We both go with the Bengals. Now, Cincinnati loses to Chicago last week. That's coming off of the win against Minnesota the week before. Pittsburgh, they beat Buffalo week one. Then they fall to Vegas last week at home. These are two teams that we just don't necessarily know what they're all about this year. Why did you go with Cincinnati in this one? Uh, Ben's got a pectoral injury. 
that Mike Tomlin came out and said was going to affect his ability to practice this week. Not sure if he's even going to be able to play on Sunday. So that, and you know, Cincinnati's came back and won their first game. They almost came back and won last week. While I give them a hard time about not really fixing their offensive line, they do have a ton of weapons on offense and Joe Burrow's looked good so far. So I, you know, I think Cincinnati pulls the upset here, especially if Ben doesn't play. Yeah, I just I look at what the offensive line has not been able to do for Pittsburgh. I, I look at what Vegas did to the Steelers' D last week, and I, I think Joe Burrow with his weapons can exploit that as well. So that's why I went with the Bengals. Arizona, Jacksonville, we both go with the Cardinals. I think we all know why because, you know, it, it's it's Jacksonville in a rebuilding year yet again. Now, Trevor Lawrence, you, you're seeing the growth, obviously, but he's still on a really terrible team. So – no matter how good of a quarterback you are, a, a terrible team is a terrible team. And I, I think they're going to end up winning a couple games this year. I really do. But it's not going to be against Arizona. And since you said that, and having watched the Cardinals my whole life going back to win there in St. Louis, they're going to lose this game 52-3, to and Trevor Lawrence is going to throw for like 600 yards. Because that's just what the Cardinals do it's in true. games like this. Um, Arizona should win. They should win easily. But they are the Cardinals, so you just never know. That's very true. Okay, a couple of quick ones real uh, right here. Denver over the Jets. We both had the Broncos there. Vegas over Miami. No Tua in that game, so I, I feel like that's why we have Vegas and the fact that they looked really good against Pittsburgh last week. We have Tampa Bay over the Rams. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Uh, we both have Minnesota over Seattle in Minnesota, and I think you hit it on the head when we talked about this earlier. Minnesota's played well the last two weeks. Kirk Cousins has played well. It just it last week came down to a kicking issue and it's something that's plagued the Vikings for, for years. But here's the thing about it. It'll happen one week and the next week, the guy's going to be perfect. So I, I look at what Seattle did. It was a bit of a demoralizing loss against Tennessee at home. And I feel like they're going to have a bit of a letdown this week as well. And I think Minnesota will win. Uh, although it will be another one of those close games and it probably will come down to a field goal. It's very possible. I'm still not sold on that Seattle defense. You know, we saw them really fall apart against the run at the end of that game against Tennessee last week. And Russell Wilson looks okay. I mean, he hasn't been great in these first two weeks. So we'll see. But, yeah, I, I think Minnesota at home pulls this win. All right. Now the one game that we differ on. Sunday night, Green Bay at San Francisco. You go with the 49ers. I go with the Packers. With the injuries that San Francisco has – why do you feel like they can beat the Packers? Because I still don't think the Packers are very good. I know they came back and won that game, but I wasn't really impressed with what I saw from Green Bay. And I'm going with history. If you look at what Green Bay's done the last couple of times they've gone to San Francisco, it's it's been really ugly. I mean, the forty. I think the 49ers have beat them something like 85 to 15 or 85 to 17 or something in the last two times they've met in San Francisco. So I'm going on history as much as anything, and I just don't have a whole lot of faith in Aaron Rodgers at this point. Well, see, I have faith that Aaron Rodgers wants to prove people wrong. And after Monday, Monday night's game against Detroit, basically came out and said this this game was for the haters, essentially. He went out and threw a, a bunch of touchdowns. And, yes, he, he didn't – the, the game didn't look all that great early on. And yet, at the time, he had thrown like three touchdowns and a couple hundred – you know, about 150 yards and – it just didn't feel like Green Bay was like holding on to that game because Detroit scored along with them. But when he needed to make the throws to really pull away in that game, Aaron Rodgers made the throws that he needed to make, and there were some beautiful dimes he had as well. So I feel like at this point, 
after week one and that loss against New Orleans, Aaron Rodgers is like, fuck this. I'm, I'm just going to start dropping dimes all over the place. We're going to score as many points as we possibly can. And if we lose, it's because our defense sucked, not because we didn't score enough points. And I feel like that's going to happen again in San Francisco. You also look at the fact that they've been just absolutely whooped when they've gone to San Francisco, like you said. I feel like this is kind of a retribution tour for Aaron Rodgers, and he, he's going to torch that San Francisco defense for sure on Sunday night. But we'll see. We'll see. That That's going to be the one game that we differ on this week because we both have Dallas over Philadelphia on Monday night. Uh, Dallas, I'll say it, and I think you're right along with me. I'm surprised at how good they've looked so far this year. They They played very, very well in week one against Tampa Bay. They took them to the absolute limit. Uh, last week they, uh, they beat the chargers, uh, up and coming young team and Dak Prescott's looked pretty good. Zeke's run the ball halfway decently. The receivers are, are making catches and the defense has played well. Are, are you as surprised at how good Dallas has looked early on? I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I still, I still don't buy in and why you've just thrown all that praise on them. It wouldn't shock me at all if Philadelphia absolutely blows them out on Monday night because we've seen that happen more than once. That's a huge rivalry game between those two teams. Lots of hatred there. Um, so we'll see. You know, the Eagles aren't very good, so Dallas should win. But like I said, unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot of faith in Mike McCarthy and the them Cowboys. <laughs> all right. So what is the game that you're absolutely looking forward to? I mean, I know you said uh, one of those games you, you have no interest in what ha- at all, but what's the one game this uh, upcoming week that you're sitting there and going, it, it is must-see TV. I have to sit down and watch this game all the way through. Uh, probably Green Bay-San Francisco, just because I want to see where both of those teams are. If I was going to go with another one, it would probably be Cleveland and the Bears because I want to see Cleveland's defense play like – People thought they were going to come into this season, and I'm interested to see what Justin Fields looks like on the road in his first start. Yeah, there's about three or four games that are going to be must-watch. For me, I'm looking at Chargers at Chiefs because that's a a game that could tell you where the Chargers are at, essentially, in this this division right now. I mean, I think over the next couple of years, they are going to be a very, very good team, a team that can push the Chiefs to the brink. But I really want to see how they measure up right now. Coming off the loss to Dallas in Dallas, uh, I, I really, or I'm sorry, in LA, I really want to see how they bounce back from that while also traveling to the presumptive top team in the AFC as well. Uh, I'm right there with you. I like I like Chicago, Cleveland. I like San Francisco, Green Bay. I think that Rams. Bucks game is going to be really good as well. But for me, I, I have to sit down and watch the Chargers Chiefs game for sure. See, now I'm going to go. Well, I said I thought that game could be close. I could also see that being the revenge game. You talked about Aaron Rodgers dropping dimes on the 49ers. Patrick Mahomes may go out and throw eight touchdowns. You know, they probably won't run. After Zolaire dropped the fumble, that ball, they probably won't run the ball the whole game. Mahomes will probably throw like 75 times. That's um, okay. Once again, Tyreek is on my fantasy team. So I'm good with that. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. It's just good to have football back. That it certainly is. And like I said earlier, we are packed this week as far as our coverage of high school and college sports. So we're going to try and get to you as soon as we possibly can, whenever we can, to preview any of the uh, upcoming events, including the Cardinals series against the Cubs this upcoming weekend. Jack Flaherty getting the start in game two right now. We've got a bunch of college football games. you got Mizzou playing Boston College, uh, looking to go to 3-1 and one on the year. And then you've got the big slate of games on Sunday for NFL Week 3. Blues preseason starts on Saturday night, so... Perfect time to be a sports fan outside of March Madness. 
because that we all know is amazing. Uh, Scott, you got anything else before we head out tonight? Uh, real quickly, as we talk about at the end of every show, the Real Men Wear Pink campaign, we're trying to raise money with the American Cancer Society to fight breast cancer and cancer in general. Um, if you can donate money, any little bit helps. Uh, there's a link on our page that you can donate all of our social social media pages. You can also go to my personal page. And I am wearing pink tonight. I've got the uh, Real Men Wear Pink bracelet rocking tonight. So I have started my pink, and I actually bought a couple of pink shirts today. So you're going to see more and more pink as we roll into next week. But if you can't help us, please do. You know, like I said, any little bit helps. And, you know, even if you can't uh, – even if you can't donate, spread the word, share our links, let people know that we're raising money and we're doing whatever we can. And uh, let's all uh, do our best to help fight breast cancer. 100% agreed. I cannot agree more than that. Make sure you guys check out the link on our page, donate, share, get the word out there as much as you possibly can. All righty for Scott Tobin, I am Wags. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. Have a enjoyable four days if we don't see you and enjoy this fall weather as much as you possibly can. I know it's going to be a little bit warm on Sunday, but enjoy it as much as you can get out there, support your local teams as well. Have a great night and a great weekend. We will see you guys shortly. Hey, it's you man here from Casey for all your sports news. Catch the toasted tavern with Scott Tobin and the man called wags weeknights at 9 PM. You can follow toasted tavern on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Let's get toasted.